Hi, it's me, Karen Gray, asking you to join me each week on a new podcast called The Road to Equity, where we discover and explore human interaction and connection. I am finally telling my story, and I want to empower others to do the same. I firmly believe that through shared experiences, lessons, and laughter, we can begin to change ourselves so we can change the world. Listen in on my weekly Eye on Equity as we navigate life filled with detours and pit stops meant to challenge us and show us a piece of who we are. So if you will, join me and buckle up for courageous conversations and insights to help change the narrative and close the gap on the road to equity. Hey guys, it's Karen Gray and I'm here. It's another week on the Road to Equity podcast. I have Danielle Guillory here and we're talking about Confront, the first chapter in the Road to Equity, the five C's to construct an equitable classroom. All right. I am here. It's another wonderful week. How are you this week, Danielle? Hey guys, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for that temperature check. Uh, we always got to check in, especially during this pandemic. It's always good to say, how are you? That's how are you right. doing? In my Wendy Williams voice, right? <laughs> <laughs> so this week, we're really focusing on talking about the book. It's coming out June 4th. Uh, also talking about the workshop, the training, the seminars that we have coming along with that. And in the first chapter, we talk a lot about confronting biases and understanding barriers to learning that some Mm -hmm. students may encounter, um, not just students, but anyone uh, trying to learn and really helping people understand what it is we're doing on this journey. Absolutely. And I think part of that is really explaining the difference between the equality and the equity piece that many people Mm -hmm. kind of say, you know, I'm treating everybody the same. And, you know, if I don't treat everybody the same, I'm being unfair. Right. So sometimes people can can feel that way. And we want to really kind of dispel what's fair, what's just, what's right. And sometimes that looks very different from person to person. Person. And so if equality is the end result, the process to reach or achieve equality that process is called equity. Mm-hmm. And so when we, especially at MK Results, uh, when we look at diversity and that's everyone being different, that's diversity and people and perspectives and positions. And those things are so important because the question you're asking is who is at the table? That's right. Yeah. Why do you think that's so important? Everyone needs to be sitting at the table. Everyone needs to have a chance at the table. Mm-hmm. There needs to be a diverse um, group of people at the table. It can't just be the same people sitting at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that question is very important. Who is at the table? Right. Because another big question is who is not Absolutely. represented at the table. And Absolutely. so even if that if, if there is not a representation physically of someone there, that 
that experience, is that experience still represented of the stories of the people you are representing? Right. You know, that you do your constituents or whoever that may be. Um, And and inclusion is so important, that sense of belonging, Mm -hmm. uh, responding to the needs of all people, um, all learners, and that all voices and experiences and stories are represented. Um, And the biggest part of inclusion that I think some people miss is that you may be responding to the needs of all your students. You may be uh, having the right people sitting at the table to check the box even Mm -hmm. at times, but do they all feel heard and included? So when we ask the question, we say, has everyone been heard? Because you may be sitting there, but do you feel valued while you're sitting there? Right. That's powerful. So we really want to focus on the diversity, the inclusion piece. And then finally, that equity piece, which is that fair, the inclusive, the access and to education and opportunities to multiple pathways to reach success because success looks different for different people. Um I love that quote that's been floating around sometimes that says, you know, it may have taken you six or seven years to complete your bachelor's degree. It may have taken you mm-hmm. till you're 30 something to do whatever, but, you know, do it, you know, and that is success. Success for some people doesn't isn't mapped out and directly right. to college. That may not be the appropriate path mm-hmm. at the time. So we have to figure out and start nurturing what is right or what's fair or what can we do to right. help build. Success looks different for each person. Yes. And culture wise too Absolutely. sometimes. And we really need mm-hmm. to uh, get to the bottom of helping people share their stories so that we can hear what they really need mm-hmm. for us to help them along the way. Um, and equity is reflective when you reach that level of equity, that's going to be reflective in your policy, your practices, and your procedures. And so now the question that we begin to ask is, who is trying to sit at the table but can't, mm-hmm. you know? And then even better is if they can't even sit at, who's trying to sit at the table, they can't even get in the door mm-hmm. at times, right. you know? So that's even a larger issue at play is that, and even times when they're sitting at the table, that inclusive piece, do they feel heard? You know, mm-hmm. or am I just here to check a box or for, you know, show, you know, right. show and tell. So we have to ask ourselves what barriers and roadblocks are preventing and prohibiting um, that person from having a seat at the table and their voice being heard and them being valued in what they have to say that mm-hmm. they're contributing. Yeah. And this is a great um, resource. And it just shows everything. Yeah. Um, and can this be, this can be accessed from our. It's in the book. It's in the book. It's in the book. And it, it will but be. But our website is amazing. Yeah. But You'll yes. have to check it out. Yes. Yes. If you have not seen it, check out our website. Mm-hmm. Tons of resources and information about why just, equity is so yeah, important. It just breaks it down for you. Yeah. And everything is really results oriented, data driven, research based. Uh, We're really focusing on increasing access, removing barriers, um, having school be a positive experience and impact on all learners that are there. Um, This is really supporting the youth and community programs to start to change the narrative and close that gap. So we're experienced professional leaders that are really passionate about finding ways to 
decrease discipline, to close that pipeline of prison. Yes. It's to, time. Yeah. It's time. To address those larger societal issues like poverty mm-hmm. and start empowering others to share their story. Um, because there are many things and many gaps that we have to start to close. There's the culture gap, the gender gap, the race mm-hmm. gap, the opportunity, the achievement. There's on and on. You know, we've got to start building a bridge so that that gap closes. Absolutely. And I and I really believe with all my heart that MK results and and the people who have joined in on this mm-hmm. road and this voyage um, on this journey towards equity are really leaders who want to see a change, but they also want to be the change and they understand that there's work to be done. Oh yeah. And so it's also about having that honest, authentic conversation Yes. because you cannot fix what you do not address. Yes. And that's so important. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's what leads us to chapter one confront Mm -hmm. on page 23 of your book. (laughs) which is so exciting. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. So how was the process of chapter one, like writing chapter one? Uh Um, Tell me some, some key, some really important things. I mean, there's so much educators to confront their own bias. Chapter one, confront. Yeah. Even with confront, I I always go back to, and I first was drawn to the quote by James Baldwin, mm-hmm. not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it is faced. And so reflecting back on my own childhood and school experience, I had to confront some of my own personal biases as I entered the classroom, mm-hmm. I, you know, as a teacher, as a teacher, yeah, uh, going to school in a predominantly white school where most of the time I was the only African American sitting in a classroom. Yeah. That experience of then uh, moving forward, I'm teaching at a school where more students look like myself. Mm-hmm. Because I was not raised in that environment, there were some biases I had to confront oh, within absolutely. my own self yes. because I was unsure. I never saw, um, I guess, or had the example. I didn't have a negative example, but I never saw or was exposed to uh, people from different races in a classroom working together in like collaborative groups. I just kind of was like, oh, that's not going to work. This is going to be. But I ended up having to push through a lot of my own biases to create an environment where my students could learn and thrive. So even though I was fearful, like, oh, wow, this is a culture shock. Like I've never been around as many of these people in a class, as many as people who look like me in a classroom, Mm -hmm. it's always been the opposite experience. And because of that, I was like, okay, a little anxiety. How is this going to go? And if I would have let that bias or that anxiety take over, I would have been a sit behind the desk teacher because I'm not sure how they're ever going to react or, you know, I'm not scared. Yeah. It's just scared. And so I really had to say, How can I break down this barrier that I have in order for in order to have my students learn? And so one of the things that I did was 
within the first weeks week of school, trying to get to know your students. Mm-hmm. Um, I let them know who I was and where I was from, but I also let them kind of showcase that here's a safe environment where you can talk and speak about what it is within the historical context and you can disagree with me or you we can talk about historical events and you can talk about um, if you like them or if you dislike them or if it's not, and I'm not, it's not going to hurt my feelings, mm-hmm. but we're talking about the content. Wow. So great, yeah. you know? And so that was exciting for me to find ways for students to connect and see themselves within history. Yes. And I had to really confront some of who I was to say, okay, culture shock, mm-hmm. but you know, this is where I'm at. And a lot of what I thought were barriers or that I thought was going to happen didn't. Right. It was wow. just all, you know, things that I was just like, just I've never seen this rest. before. Yeah. yeah I'm not, so I don't know how it's going to go. But I'm thinking like, I've never taught anybody before. So I don't know how that's going to go either. Right. So let me just and go even in. Teaching history, you have to give the facts mm-hmm. and then let the students develop or yeah, gather, come to their own conclusion. Yeah, their own conclusion. So I could I I can't imagine teaching history and having a fixed mindset um where you have your you have biases mm-hmm. and your biases are coming out in your teaching in your history PowerPoint right. that you're trying to give. Right, right. And you're offending kids, but they don't know how to say that. Okay, that's kind of offensive. Right, right. You know, so it, you know, I can definitely see. Yeah. And a lot of students always say, too, about history, this is boring. Why do we have to learn this? This is nothing but dates. I heard all those things every year. And even growing up, my own experience of being taught history, I never saw myself in the history. Absolutely. Uh, So it be it. And in every class I remember, it was a teacher sitting behind their desk in a history class. I think I had one or one or two teachers who did not, but my first two years in high school was more of um, people who really sat behind their desk or were concerned about athletics. Mm-hmm. And we just copied notes from the overhead projector, the entire class period, you know, and it was like a favorite person got to pass back the papers. And oh, that, that was history for learning world history wow. for us. And, and, the, and the teacher would just talk from her desk about it. Mm-hmm. And so that to me, I never really liked history because I didn't connect with it. But whenever I became a history teacher, well, actually, I started discovering my passion for history in college because I was like, this is crazy. Like, all we're doing is copying stuff. And like my kids said, memorizing dates and Mm -hmm. this is boring, you know? So I said, how can I make this come alive? So in college, I, I like politics. I started liking history, got involved in that. But then I said, how can I showcase a better experience of history for my students than I had myself. Mm -hmm. And so one of the ways was showing who they are within what I was teaching, Mm -hmm. allowing them to create a safe space where they can talk about the bill of rights and we can have a discussion and we're all different and we live in Texas. So, you know, second amendment rights, we're going to talk about that. 
but you're going to have a variety of opinions. Do I ever insert my stance? Absolutely not. But what I will do is allow a conversation that that has that says, hey, understand how this person's experience and another person's another student's experience. And we're going to do it in a way where we can all talk and, and facilitate a conversation where we're hearing each other's stories, mm-hmm. but we're not we're not necessarily impressioning what it is. We're allowing students to think and come to their own conclusions, but we also have to understand how your biases, if you're, you know, mm-hmm. a gun-toting Second Amendment year, that may come out in your classroom right? when you are teaching the Bill of Rights and the right to bear arms and things like that. So you have to understand how sometimes those things may manifest themselves either indirectly or directly within your mm-hmm. classroom. I think some educators may be well-intended and just may not be aware of how that may come up or how what they believe, right. whether it is about the Second Amendment, whether it is about other things, or whether you're not even including them in their story. All of those things come across to students that those are messages that they pick up mm-hmm. that directly impact their learning and how they feel about themselves and what And some may be even fearful to learn, Mm -hmm. you know, so they're sitting in your classroom, but because your bias may have manifested themselves, they as a child being a child, because we're the adult, Mm -hmm. they are unable to process that and separate, hey, I got to sit in this classroom and get this information from someone who may not like me, may think differently of me because I express my opinion or whatever it is where we want to say that's not the way. There's a way that we have to reflect on mm-hmm. our So bias. the biggest thing, the highest form of reflection, the highest form of reflection mm-hmm. is confronting your own self in the mirror and coming face to face with hard truths. Yeah. So you are asking people, you're asking your readers um, to start being reflective mm-hmm. to start looking within yourself and kind of challenging some of the things. Maybe it was the way that your parents raised you and now you're thinking, okay, you know, they did the best that they could with what they had, mm-hmm. but maybe your values are changing. I don't know, mm-hmm. but you're calling on the readers to confront to, and that starts by being reflective. Right. And looking at really some of our actions, mm-hmm. um, some of the things we put in place, whom are those made for? Are they made for ourselves to make us comfortable mm-hmm. or are those made for our students um, or other people that we're serving? Um, when we're reflective, sometimes the truth can sting a little. You know, Mm -hmm. and sometimes the best conversations in order for growth to occur is the hardest. Yes. Um, Experience that in professional and personal life. Mm. But over over that hill, after that conversation Mm. is there, that dialogue is had. There's growth that the two people experience and exchange no matter how uncomfortable. But most people because that feeling is uncomfortable and they've mm-hmm. never experienced that 
feeling before, they don't like it. So they, it's that fight or flight. So they yes. flee and they don't want to have the conversation yes. or they want to deflect or make it about themselves that's when true. that's not the core of the issue. We have to start confronting what the issue is, our own biases and seeing how, how we can start to grow. And if we're more aware of them and that's what chapter one is all about. If you're more aware and you're reflective on it, then you can start to change your behavior. But yes. if you're never aware of something, then you are less likely to change. That's right. Yeah. So if we keep doing this same exact thing over and over again, we're just going to keep getting the same results, mm -hmm. you know? So year after year, if you have kids that are struggling in your classroom, if we, I mean, of course we have other things that are impacting mm -hmm. um, beyond our control, but we have to understand the classroom is within our control. My yes. classroom, I I determine how students feel in here. The I workplace. determine the climate, the work. Yeah, even within the workplace, if yeah. you're a leader, um, at every le level, you determine the culture, the climate within there. And part of that work starts with yourself, mm -hmm. confronting what and being reflective on who you are, just saying, how can I, what barriers do I have to address unconsciously that I may not have ever had to before? Mm -hmm. And that's a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I've even taken the um, project implicit by uh, Harvard, the bias, the mm -hmm. unconscious bias uh, test. And that, of course, those results are kind of, they do allow you to say, wow, you know, looking back at maybe some of the decisions that I made some of the interactions I had, mm -hmm. some of the encounters I had that, yeah, I see how this more favorable to one side or the other mm -hmm. can impact my decision-making, whether unconsciously, mm -hmm. which is generally what happens versus consciously. Right. You know, so really looking at um, how our own past and how our own life experiences sometimes shape us. And what we go through, we sometimes can't ignore that that piece of us. We can't leave a piece of us at the door when we walk into the workplace or our classroom. We are who we are. Yeah, we're, we're going to act and put on a show. And sometimes we have bad days and we're still going to smile through it with our kids. But we have to understand how our interactions sometimes can be dictated by our mindsets. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And it's about having a growth mindset yes. so that you are able to have a breakthrough and be able to not so much go towards the negative, you know, stay in the positive, in the light, mm -hmm. you know, think that people are bringing good to your life and not just withdrawing. Right. We want to talk deposits and withdrawals. I love when you talk yeah. about that. Yeah, absolutely. And even even when we look at confronting our biases, we have to look at what barriers do the people that we serve? What are some barriers that they have? that I may not have or know of or I'm conscious mm -hmm. of, you know, and part of that starts with a conversation and that how even uncomfortable, it's not an assault on you that other people may have gone through something, mm -hmm. may be struggling, but 
there are a couple of things that we always can do and that you either contribute to the narrative in a positive way or you can contribute to the narrative in a negative way. Mm -hmm. You can perpetuate the narrative or you have the power to change the narrative, you know, and that's for every educator, black, white, brown, Mm -hmm. any color that you have that power to control the story within your classroom. And to control that environment. And it all starts with that conversation, no matter how uncomfortable that sometimes it's not an assault on anyone. It's just saying there's a gap. It's here. There are sometimes things that even me, I'm an African-American professional female that I have biases. Mm -hmm. Okay. Everybody has them. Okay. But if we decide to wipe away the issue or ignore the issue. We leave every educator to really decide what's just, what's fair, what's equitable from their own life experience and their own background. Yeah. And that's not fair to the students. That's not fair in a workplace, a classroom environment or anywhere because you're having one experience dictate. Now that's creating probably more than likely a negative experience for many people because you're not understanding their barriers, who they are and their story. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yep. And even when we look at the barriers, um, one of them I want to talk about is a few months ago, we went to the push out and we talked a lot about adultification biases. Yes, we did. And in the book in chapter one, there's a case study I have on that. But when we look at that, that's a bias that many people have. People don't even realize it. And then when you say it or you confront it, people are like, oh, no, I don't think like that. Like, I don't. And it, it, it is and it exists and it is a word and it is something that people need to realize that they are viewing African Americans at at a higher age Mm -hmm. than what they really are. For example, looking, it might be a, an African-American boy, but he may be perceived by the police looking to be older, much older than what he is. I think it's what, four or five times, Mm -hmm. five years older than what they are. So a five-year-old is viewed 10. Mm Mm-hmm. A 10-year-old is viewed 15. I mean, we know this right. by African-Americans and what we what we have to go through already as right. women. Right. You know, because. Yeah. And it's a, it's a way to really start sparking this conversation mm-hmm. because when we talk about it, sometimes um, we treat people mm-hmm. when we look at them, whether unfavorable or older, that that bias will unconsciously seep out where they should know better mm-hmm. or they're they, held to a different standard right. than the other students exactly. or the other people at the right. workforce. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's saying how, how we have to confront mm-hmm. that. And if we put that at the forefront of our thoughts, then hopefully that will start to change our interactions with people of color, women of color, men of color, Yes, you know, because that's what we have to start doing to change the narrative because right now nothing has worked. We've been out of school for um, 
while now, over 10 years. And high school. Yeah. High school. (laughs) (laughs) But even looking back, it's like there were gaps then Mm -hmm. and those same gaps still exist. They still exist. And now with the current pandemic, and we've been out of school for so long. We're having to figure out and redesign schools. It's it's Getting widening. Bigger, yeah. Yes. So yes. so this is a way for a program that we're saying, let's move towards equity, excellence towards equity, to really break down barriers, confront biases, and embark on a journey where we're breaking barriers so that all students have an opportunity, all students have a chance, and we can start sharing more stories and closing that gap and changing the narrative. And I'm so excited that you were able to speak with me about chapter one. Oh, it's my favorite chapter. I mean, (laughs) they're all my favorite, but I mean, this one reminds me, you just have to think Man in the Mirror, Michael Jackson. Yes. MJ. Yes. MJ. We love him. Yes. He died the day I know. And regardless, the the black community, it's beautiful. We have Cardi B, we have Michael Jackson, we have Obama, we have Beyonce, we have Oprah. Yeah. And we really need to celebrate all the whole spectrum of everyone within our culture. And that's what we're trying to say to everybody, that everybody has a gift. Everybody has something to give. And we want every educator to see that gift in every single student. Every student. You know, not just some, not just some that, yeah. See it in every single. Yes. See that doctor in every single student. And that's what we're all about. Setting people up for success, breaking barriers, and developing a growth mindset. Right there, yeah. Could it be me pretending that they're not alone? A willow deep is scarred, somebody's broken heart. And a washed out dream. They followed the pattern of the wind you see. Cause they got no ways to be. That's why I'm starting with me. Starting with the man in the mirror. Woo! I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Yeah. Hey, friends. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope you enjoyed our little karaoke session, Man in the Mirror, guys. (laughs) Kind of impromptu, but we hope you understand our message. The book will be out June 4th. Be sure to visit www.mkresultsllc.com. Find us on Facebook. Hashtag be a barrier breaker 
and join us. Visit our Facebook. It's got all the information where we're posting about kind of what we're doing, our mission and stories that really relate to moving that needle forward, closing the gap, and changing the narrative. So be sure to tune in on Tuesday. On a Tuesday, we have the Educators Podcast, Facebook Live, 730. Um, We also record them and post them on YouTube. So we'll have that there and the podcast will be out then. So tune in every Sunday and Tuesday. Until then, stay safe, stay happy, and stay positive.